The following program contains explicit material and isn't suitable for younger listeners. He struggled for years thinking that God was distant, but singer-songwriter Dennis Jernigan looks back today and realizes that God was with him. My perspective was one thing, but God's perspective was you thought I abandoned you. Quite the opposite, son. Quite the opposite was true. Well, it's so true that God is in the midst of darkness and struggles, and He does carry us through those times. And you'll hear an encouraging message today from Dennis Jernigan as we continue the conversation. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Uh, John, I was so captivated by the discussion yesterday, and it is a pleasure to welcome back Dennis Jernigan, whom you said is a songwriter and musician. Dennis, uh, welcome back to Focus on the Family. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. I don't want to waste too much time. Last time, you might say we left uh, really leaving people on the cliff, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about your background in homosexuality as a five-year-old boy being exposed to a man in a bathroom, Mm -hmm. not having strong affirmation from your own father and then falling into that affirmation, finding it with older boys as you were growing up. And we left off last time right when you were taken advantage of Mm -hmm. by an older Christian man, somebody who befriended you. I would say groomed that opportunity to prey on you, Mm -hmm. um, and not in the best sense, but to, uh, you know, show you good things so that he could get what he wanted. Mm -hmm. We left off there. Talk about the wound of that and uh, maybe recap for us those events quickly. Sure. Uh, I had gone to this one I considered a mentor, a a spiritual leader, an advisor for me. Like you said, a father figure. And I just divulged the most devastating secret of my life. And in that honest moment, was taken advantage of, betrayed. And I felt humiliated so much so that I demanded that he take me home to my little apartment where I lived by myself. And he had the audacity to say, well, let me just pray with you. And I'm like, no, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I ran into my apartment. I was the, in the winter. I had a little gas heating stove. I just turned it on. I did not light the flame. And I just laid down on the floor. I couldn't go on. I was done. And after a few minutes, I don't even know how long it was. It was probably not as long as I think it was, but these thoughts began to come into my mind. Are you prepared for eternity? Do you know what waits for you out there? And I couldn't answer those questions. Mm -hmm. It scared me so badly. I get up, turn off the gas stove, and I just make this statement to myself. This is just the way I was born. I'm going to stop fighting it. I'm going to embrace it. And I have to be honest with you, for a a season, that gave me peace because I thought I'm Mm -hmm. done fighting. And so I lived the rest of 1980, graduated in the spring of 1981, actually traveled all over the country um, promoting the university. They, they had uh, expressed interest in me doing that, so I did. And what they didn't know is that I was in a homosexual relationship with another man. Because by that time, I'd surmised that everyone I knew in the Christian world Everyone was playing games. That was my little warped perception. Mm. Everybody's wearing masks. Nobody's being real. So what's the harm in me doing this? You know, I can play all the games just like they can. So what I expected with that brief season of peace was uh, even more peace. But that was not to be. Through the course of this relationship I was in, 
became increasingly more real. real I, I, re, I just began to realize I'm being used here. And if that's the case, I'm also using this other person. We call it love, but I'm just using my... Why did friend. you have that thought? What sparked that conclusion all of a sudden? You're accepting it. You're saying everybody mm-hmm. else has a mask. Here's my mask. Um, you're emboldened in that mm-hmm. delusion. Mm-hmm. And then somehow another voice is saying to you, wait a minute, you're just using each other and it's not right. I what can was that? only chalk it up to the fact that that was the Lord somehow speaking to me. I really do. Mm-hmm. And it gets even better than that, y'all, because I got enough grace about me, strength to cut off this relationship. And in that moment, just felt a, a, just a surge of freedom in my life. Uh, three days before I was to go to seminary, a buddy of mine called who had graduated from college a year before me, and he said, Dennis, the Lord's been speaking to me about you. And that just scared me to death because my thoughts were, he doesn't speak to me about me, so what in the world could he be saying to you? He said, Dennis, the Lord's been, he came to me in a dream, actually. In this dream, he showed me that he was going to give you hundreds and hundreds of songs, and people all over the world are going to be singing your songs. And I thought, he's a fool. He's crazy. He's lost his mind. He said, to confirm it to you, my mother had the same dream. And we we just began talking about this. And we don't think it's a coincidence. We believe that's the Lord working. And at this point, you had not published a No. Yeah. <laughs> I Because of the statements from my encounter with the professor my freshman year, I'd written maybe three or four songs during my college career. Uh, huh. so, so I just didn't feel like I had it in me. So this was out of the blue. Very That's much my point. so. Yes, very much out of the blue. <laughs> he said, we, we believe it's the, not a coincidence. We, we believe the Lord would have us invite you to move to Oklahoma City. Just move in with us and give God a chance to work this in your life. So three days later, I'm in Oklahoma City. And I reasoned to myself, I'll find a job quickly because I've got my big church music degree. I'll find a job quickly. And I did, driving a school bus for the local school district. That's all I could find. Mm. But as I look back now, I see exactly how that was the hand of the Lord. Because think of it, I had morning routes, afternoon routes, and hours in the day where I'm literally losing my mind. Because think of this, my mind on one hand is being bombarded with homosexual thought. I mean bombarded. On the other hand... Here's my friend telling me the things the Lord's speaking to him, and here's what his word says, and here's what the truth is. And I I just thought, well, I remember the stories of King Saul from my Sunday school days. He he was beset by evil spirits, and they would send for that shepherd boy to come and play his harp, and David would worship, and it says the enemy would flee from Saul. I'll do that for myself. So after my morning bus routes, I'd go to my friend's piano, while he was at work and his mom was at work and I put my Bible on the piano and I open it to Psalm 1 and just begin singing until it was time for my next bus route. I've literally sung through the Psalms. My point is this, I was seeking God. So I was so desperate for God, I just began singing his word to him. And then my friend, I don't know how he found out, but he said, Dennis, I know what you're struggling with. And I said, oh yeah, you do, huh? He said, yeah, it's homosexual thought. I'm like, what? And he did the most amazing thing. He said, Dennis, I don't know how to help you, but I know I know the answer. And the answer is Jesus. I said, I've heard that my whole life, but he's never come through. He said, you had not heard it like this, son. I believe Jesus is the answer so much that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to him. Let's just walk towards him together, shoulder to shoulder. And if you fall down, I will not kick you. I will not say, I told you so. You know what I'll do every time? I will help you up if you will let me. Every time. As long as it takes, I'll be there. You need a shoulder to cry on, 
I'm your guy. Let me ask you some questions right here because sure. I'm just thinking what other people are thinking, mm-hmm. the thoughts I have in that regard. There's many lessons for all of us to learn right here. We tend to look at homosexuality as some kind of a super sin, mm-hmm. that it's above all others. There definitely is a political sure. um, fight going on in terms of rights, and we get all that. I tend to think God is looking so far beneath all of that. I That's almost like noise. Yeah. I know some people, I don't mean to offend anyone, these are important things. But people's souls are far more important. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, um, I have a couple of questions for you. One, how did you trust somebody hmm. after being dealt so much mistrust for all those years, from yeah. the point of being five years old, your father, um, the the men in the church that talk so harshly, hatefully about homosexuals right in front of you, not knowing what you were struggling with, to the man who, who abused you in college, the, the Christian, in quotes, who came forward to want to be your friend and then made sexual advances towards you to the point you're going to take your life. Mm-hmm. And now another guy comes into your life saying, no, no, I'll pick you up when you get knocked down. How did you have capacity to say, okay, I'll trust this guy? Well, in a nutshell, he laid his life down for me. And I you saw, could feel it. I could feel that. It he, was real. He didn't care what anyone thought. Huh. It was very real. Here was a, a guy that had n- no skin in the game, as far as I could tell. He just he was going to prove the love of Jesus to me. And before we move to that moment, how it really mm-hmm. uh, happened and the way you got more cemented and rooted in your relationship with Christ, talk about the cultural moment uh, just uh, for a second. Talk about our attitude in the church toward that community mm-hmm. and help instruct us to express God's care, his truth, his love, uh, maybe in ways that we haven't even thought about it. We're so entrenched in the fight, Dennis, that I'm so worried we're missing the bigger picture. Um, Instruct me. If you were sitting down with me over coffee right now, Mm -hmm. and I was saying, man, these doggone people, they're trying to take our rights away. These people are evil. They're rotten. They're horrible. What would you say to me? Well... To answer the first question, the cultural attitudes of the day when I was growing up, was it was like Monopoly. You, If you're homosexual, you do not pass go. You do not get to collect $200. You get to go straight to hell. That was really the attitude. What my friend displayed to me was what I, I would really challenge the body of Christ to step up to the plate and do. So you don't have to have gone through homosexuality or drug addiction or whatever you want to fill in that particular blank with to help somebody else out. You just need to know the answer and be willing to get involved in the messiness of that person's life. And see, that's what my friend did. He said, I don't care how messy you are, what the messed up parts of your life are. Let's just dive in together. Let's just do this together and let's walk towards Jesus together. That's all he did. I just needed to see somebody that thought I was valuable enough to lay down their own life for me. Mm-hmm. Talk about that person's character. Was he coming out of brokenness? Did he have experiences he in He came his from life? a broken home, very much so. Huh. And just all manner of brokenness in his own life. I didn't necessarily know all of that at the time, but he certainly demonstrated the grace of God to me. It was like he understood at some level the roots of my sin. Here, here's the cool thing that I've discovered through the years is I, I had the, the glorious opportunity to grow up on a farm. And when we were 
my dad would hand me a hoe and say, okay, I want you to hoe the weeds in this garden, but I want you to do something. Don't just chop off the top, son. I want you to get to the root. Homosexuality wasn't my main thing. It just wasn't. I knew that there were roots that had led me to homosexuality. So I needed to get to the roots. And for me, the roots were what you've already expressed, my need to know that I matter to somebody else. Dennis, I, um, man, I want to say a couple things that might be really hard hitting Sure. and slap me down if you think I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. Really? Sure. Because, um, again, there's, a, there's two things that are really running through my head. One is the lack of humility in the church mm-hmm. to understand one simple thing that we're all sinners mm-hmm. saved by grace. Mm-hmm. Um, man, there's just a conviction that I have about that, that we tend to act like we're perfect mm-hmm. And that we're going to hold the culture accountable to some kind of perfection that we can't even live up to. Mm-hmm. And then we manifest that to other people. And it's a turnoff because they can't do it either. They're more honest with themselves than we are. Mm-hmm. And it it just isn't healthy. Yeah. And I'm sitting here thinking about this in the context of homosexuality or adultery or the big David sins, murder. I mean, you mentioned mm-hmm. them earlier. How do we get to a place in the church where we can say, okay, we're all broken, rather than look at me, I'm perfect? I think every every believer needs to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror and just be honest. What would keep me from revealing the hurts of my own life? What would keep me from being that honest with somebody else? I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11, basically lists a list of sins and homosexuality just happens to be one of them, but it's no, not number one in the list. It's not the last in the list. It's just in the list. And it says, such were some of you. I believe every believer needs to look at that list and take stock because one sin separates us from God. That's all it takes. And so we're all in the same boat. And if we don't think we are, there may be an issue of pride. We need to deal with our pride. Let me ask this last thing, and then we'll get back sure. and wind the story up, because it's beautiful what the Lord has done in your life and a testimony. Um, why do we as human beings, uh, why do we lean into Pharisaism? What, what pulls us in that direction? I mean, here, 2,000 years ago, these men that were well-esteemed in the culture, they're paying their tithes. They dressed every day. They got up and kissed their wives and put phylacteries on, wound things mm-hmm. around their arms and forehead to prove they were religious and faithful to God. They were probably really straight arrows. Yeah. I mean, really, they were. And they got applauded for it. And wow, look at those men. And aren't they esteemed? And Jesus just went after them. Sure he did. Like a hound dog saying, you guys, you got it on the outside. You got nothing on the inside. How can we 2,000 years later, having it written down for us, so easily repeat that same mistake? Mm. Uh, I first thing that comes to my mind, honestly, is just pride. We don't want to be seen as we really are. And because that might mean we're not that lovable, we're not that perfect, we're not that whatever. The, the bottom line is God loves each of us right where we are. And if we can ever grasp that, then there's nothing in this life that we cannot overcome. And there's no reason for a, a, a believer to not be as honest as somebody in the world. There's absolute, We have every reason to be honest. Yeah. Because we have the one who is capable of setting every person free and redeeming. And so I don't know if that answers your question. It does. And so many people who rightfully are rooted in truth, we're not talking about moving away from truth. Whenever anybody hears empathy or hears 
um, a heart for the brokenhearted. Mm-hmm. The hardliners will often say, oh, they're moving away from truth. That They're not mutually exclusive. Not you can be honest with people. You just don't have to be mean-spirited. That's right. And when you do it, and that's the problem. Yeah. Um, it's like when you're making soup. You know, we, we talk about being the salt and the light of the earth or the light of the world, but uh, you don't put just salt in the soup or it gets, you can't even palate it. And so it, I, I choose to be salt, but I choose to to flavor my soup with the love of God as well. That's right. So we've got to get to that place where we realize we are salt, we are light, but we're going to temper it all with the love of God. Well, and I love Romans 2, 4, which comes right behind a tough chapter in Romans 1 mm-hmm. about sexuality. But then Paul says, uh, do you not know it's God's kindness that leads that's you to what, repentance? That's what led me to repentance. Think of that. That's what breaks a heart. Very much so. Because the enemy, the one tool the enemy cannot deal with is the love of God. Yeah, the church did not love me right where I was. Jesus did. Uh. <laughs> Get back to the story then. There you are. You've got this great soulmate walking with you, this friend who's going to pick you up when you're down. Take us through the the growth of the story there. Around the same time that my friend confronted me, uh, that band I had spoken of earlier, Second Chapter of Acts, was going to be at the University of Oklahoma. I could not afford their new record, so I get there early enough so no one could see the good Baptist boy sneak in with his tape recorder and three blank tapes. <laughs> that right there. <laughs> Whoops. He's going to get a three-album set that night. It's called bootlegging. It is illegal. It is sin. But this is how merciful God is because he allowed me to record the moment of my redemption. Hmm. I listen to it all the time, y'all. That's why my story stays so fresh. I don't live in the past, but I get to go back and relive it in a very, very unique way. I um, got there early, got my seat, and loving the concert, and they get to a song called Mansion Builder. The chorus just simply says, why should I worry? Why should I fret? I've got a mansion builder who ain't through with me yet. Then they stop singing, and Annie Herring begins to speak, and there's 4,500 people in this auditorium, and but it's like she is speaking right to me, because she said something very significant in that moment. She said, the Lord has put it on my heart that there's somebody here tonight who's gone through things they never dreamed they would have to go through in their life. So they began to sing, and my heart begins to break. Because you have to understand, I thought homosexual sin was too vile for Jesus to take on the cross, because that's what the church had actually communicated to me. God can't handle homosexuality. And here's this lady telling me just the opposite. And so on the tape, you hear them singing and me begin to sob because my heart is broken. I realized in that moment, I I place not just my sin on the the shoulders of Jesus. I place myself there with him. I am crucified with Christ. Mm -hmm. And that just flooded my mind. And I'm sobbing by the time this song is over. And because I see myself not only crucified with Christ, I see myself buried with him. The next thing I know, Jesus is standing at the head of my tomb and he's saying, Dennis Jernigan, come forth, but you leave the old you in the grave because he's dead now. Yeah. Hmm. So I did. I walked out of homosexuality that night. That doesn't mean the temptation stopped right away. Temptation defines no man. Jesus was tempted in every manner, just as we are, yet without sin. So that cleared that up for me very quickly. The Lord said, if you'll follow me, then I'll show you how to be free. You are as free as you're going to be in faith, son. You're free. You're born again. You're a brand new creation. That's what he did with my homosexual thought as well. Son, I created you to be a heterosexual being. So I want you to get with some men 
who have never struggled with same-sex attraction, and I want you to learn from them, and I'll lead you to them. So through, over a two-year period, the Lord brought so much healing into my life that by 1983, uh, he gave me what, my wife, Melinda. We just celebrated 31 years together. Yeah. How many kids? Nine kids and five <laughs> grandkids so far. <laughs> that so is. we're... And, and I, I, I like to share about my family because in my mind, that's what the enemy of God was trying to rob from me. Boy, it's so true. Very true. Somebody uh, told me, um, actually a Catholic uh, Monsignor, he said, you know, in the Catholic Church, what we believe is that Satan so despises uh, God, the Father, choosing to manifest his divine nature in human beings. Mm. And he does that in male and female, mm -hmm. that the two shall become one flesh. Yeah. It's a divine act that he's Very done so. and satan so despises it that's why he attacks it mm -hmm. because it reminds him every day mm -hmm. that god has that's put good. his blessing his divine nature into human beings mm -hmm. and not the angels that's and right. uh, something for us to ponder uh, dennis we have run out of time <laughs> of but course. man what an incredible story mm -hmm. let me ask you though right at the end you have a tombstone mm -hmm. on your property and i think it would be a fitting place uh, to tell us why. Well, a friend of mine just wanted me to have a gift that would remind me of who I am and whose I am at any given moment. This tombstone basically says, it's it's down in the front of my property. I live on a hill, and you can see the house, but I put the tombstone up by the road. It says, basically, the man who lives in the house on the top of this hill uh, died to sin on November 7th, 1981, and rose to a new new life, new identity in Jesus Christ. Wow. People, I put it by the road so people could, they think, they they do this all the time. They they slow down. Who's buried there? Well, it's me. It's my old self. He's yeah. dead and gone. Mm -hmm. And it is a great reminder of what has taken place for those of us mm -hmm. who have put our trust, our faith, our hope in Christ. Uh, Dennis, people right now are saying, I need that peace. I need that relationship. Can I ask you to pray for those that are um, broken, sure. like us? that are searching and have not yet found the Savior. Can you pray for them? Sure, I'd love to. Father, I thank you, first of all, for all that you did to get to us. Thank you for wanting us so much that you'd send your Son to take all our sin, all our brokenness, all our hurt upon himself. And I ask you to show each person listening to this broadcast exactly what that looks like or could look like for them. And Father, I ask you to reveal yourself to them. Just surprise people with your presence. Reveal your word to them. And Father, I just ask you to bless those who listen with all that you are, with healing, with peace, with joy, with restoration, with redemption. And Father, I ask you to create in this listening audience just the awareness that you are here mm. and that you're approachable. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for those who are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dennis Jernigan, um, songwriter, musician, son of the Most High. Amen. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hmm. There is so much that we've touched upon in these past couple of days. And if you're at that point where you need a trusted friend like Dennis Jernigan had, someone to come alongside you in the journey toward healing, I hope you'll uh, take that first step and reach out to a friend or a, a trusted pastor, someone that can hear your story and walk you through that time. And then certainly we'd encourage you, if you're in a spot where it's just very difficult to know to whom you can turn, 
uh, pray. That's the starting point right there. Pray and ask God to meet you. He will do so. Our program was provided by Focus on the Family. And on behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening. I'm John Fuller. It may be that you or someone you know is struggling with a similar situation. If it is a friend, then God may have put you in their path to walk them through this painful journey. And if you're needing help, please don't hesitate to call our counseling department where our trained therapists will be available to talk to you and help you. That number to call is 031-716-3300 or you can get in touch via our website at safamily.co.za when you click on the counseling link. The book that comes highly recommended with today's broadcast is called Out of a Far Country by Christopher and Angela Yuan. Ask for that when you call us, or you will find it on our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you back next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.